and introducing a podcast about words, about music. I'm Chris Wade. And I'm Molly O'Brien. And this is We Podicano, an Our Band Could Be Your Life miniseries. We are taking a journey through Michael Azrad's chronicle of the 1980s American underground rock scene, continuing today with Chapter 4, Minor Threat. Formed in 1980 by high school buddies Ian McKay and Jeff Nelson, Minor Threat quickly grew into major status in the burgeoning hardcore punk scene. With short, fast songs brimming with righteous anger, McKay exemplified both militant moral integrity and straight-edge substance-free living through the band's music and actions. McKay and Nelson would also invest proceeds for Minor Threat into Discord Records, the now long-running indie label that would put out some of the best DC punk and hardcore music of the next two decades. After three short years in existence, the band would collapse under their own success, but today we'll be marking our hands with black X's and traveling to their salad days through <laughs> Chapter 4 of Our Band Could Be Your Life. But first, let's introduce our guest. You know him from... Street Fight Radio, the podcast. Uh, what, what, what's he the uh, the radio host miniseries? Shocktober, Shocktober, <laughs> of course, always. It's always Shocktober. It's Shocktober in May here. It is. Uh, it's Bri- It's one of our favorite guests. It's Brian Quimby. Welcome back to the show. Hey, hey, how's it going? It's really weird to talk about Minor Threat because, like, I have a very weird weird relationship with this band let's hop right in brian (laughs) what is your relationship with this band i uh uh when i was in high school i did not know that minor threat existed like when i was at the age that you're supposed to listen to minor threat right didn't Mm. even know they were a band because i was like nowhere near that scene people in groveport ohio didn't listen to hardcore really Mm -hmm. which is uh uh definitely (laughs) like i never met a person that liked any of this stuff until I I flunked my senior year and had to go to summer school. And this kid in my class wore a Minor Threat shirt every single day. And I was like, Who's <laughs> now was minor- it the same shirt or did he have a rotation of shirts? It was a it was a Jean jacket. It was a uh, okay, okay, battle. Okay. It wasn't a battle vest because that's heavy metal, right? It was a it was a Jean jacket with a bunch of patches. And I was okay. always just like. I didn't ever ask him, but he volunteered so much information on minor <laughs> threats. <laughs> so, oh, my God. So, like, I still didn't listen to him. And then, like, I started doing Street Fight with Brett. And, like, a lot of people that listen to our show think, I think, that we take a lot of our cues from, like, the hardcore, the, the minor mm-hmm. threat, the DC punk scene, or Black Flag and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I still didn't listen to them until about <laughs> three years ago when I was like, I got to check out Minor Threat. You know, everybody talks about them. I want to know what they are. And I fucking love them. And, and yeah. Ian McKay would hate me, like, as a person. <laughs> not, we have nothing in common, me and that guy. <laughs> That's so interesting to come to what, you know, music made by basically guys in their like late teens and early 20s and and vibing with it uh, as an adult, adult, it's, adult. I do like to think of Street Fight Enterprises as Columbus's discord. It, I mean, people <laughs> say shit like that all the time, like because like, you know, the early days of the show was like, oh, we're going to do a Patreon, but our bonus shows are going to be a dollar and we're going to work super hard and make no money. And uh, uh, the live shows where it was like, oh, every live show is a different live show and tickets are $5 until we figured (laughs) out like 
you can't do tickets for five dollars or you're paying to perform for people <laughs> <laughs> but they but they did that forever the, that was the fugazi promise it was five dollar live shows forever uh which i mean i guess when you're forgot fugazi you can do but i mean yeah i i would admit i would get why people would say like oh you got so you guys are big like hardcore dc <laughs> discord guys you were like no i don't i don't know what that is Brett is Brett. Brett likes all of that stuff. Like he's more of a, a, a versed in that kind of stuff. I was just such an uncool teenager that, like, you know, I'm listening to Corn and Limp Biscuit and Coal Chamber and stuff like that. I, I just, I had no idea this stuff existed. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, but when you hear it, you're just like. First of all, when you first hear about it, if you're a guy like me, you're like, what a fucking loser, you know, because he's a straight <laughs> I met my first straight yeah. edge at a Pantera concert. Yes. Mm, okay. I mean, yeah, on paper, it's like the guy who's loudly singing that he does not fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. so cool. The, the teenager who refuses to fuck, that's a cool guy? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I remember... I'm at this Pantera concert. Me and all my redneck friends are at this concert and we're having fun. And this guy walks up to us and he looks different from all of us. We like cannot figure out what this guy's trying to prove with his look. <laughs> you know, he has the X's on his hands and we're trying to figure him out because we're trying to sneak booze. We're teenagers. Mm-hmm. We're like, let's right. get some fucking booze. And I remember standing and talking to this guy for in between every band and being like, so you don't wear leather belts at all? You (laughs) wait, you have to use a special kind of toothpaste? Like, what is that about? (laughs) New type of guy just dropped. Yeah, Yeah. it really felt that way because it was like we're all smoking weed, trying to sneak beer in. And, and, and this guy is just like, no, I don't, I don't smoke weed, I don't, I don't do drugs, I don't have sex, and I was like, sound sounds like it sucks, my man. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it is funny that they pi- they did really pioneer a new type of way to be rebellious, which is to impose rules on yourself. It's like we're going to get rid of the society's rules by by making more rules that we just we follow. I just think it's funny to preempt, you know, I- even if you're not allowed to drink and you're not getting girls anyway, of just being like, I didn't want to do that stuff to begin with, like. <laughs> This is completely my decision. There's I'm in control. There's something about it, though, that like once I think because I came to it when I was older, I was really able to understand it a little bit better. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. where it was like, oh, you know, this guy was was like being rebellious. He wasn't like wasn't being like a radical conformist, which is what it sounds like to a teenager that does Right. That drinks and and does drugs. It sounds like that's what it sounds like. And then you find out it's like, well, this guy just looked around and saw that everybody was drinking and doing drugs. All the cool kids were doing drugs. And he was like, I'm not a cool kid. I'm I'm going to go the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll spend a lot of this show talking about straight edge because <laughs> it is like the one of the things about this band. But but let's finish the going around and talking about our 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 minor th- our minor priors, our minor threat priors. <laughs> Uh, Molly, do you want to? Yeah, I mean, I I knew who they were in high school, and I think I listened to like a bit of whatever like the more popular stuff was. Um, but I never really got I never really got into it. I'm not a huge. I would I would say of all the bands in in this book, I probably don't vibe as much with Minor Threat. Um, but I see I see what they're doing, mm-hmm. uh, and, and I respect it. I, I'm a I'm a Minor Threat respecter. I I would say. I just realized in my notes that I misspelled them as minor treat, which I think would be a totally <laughs> a good name. A, that's kind of like cool too. No, that's me at four p.m. every day. Every yeah, having a little snack. You know that's funny because like 
uh, uh, in as when I read this book, I was like, the only bands I vibe with are like Minor Threat and Black Flag and stuff <laughs> like the punk bands. And, yeah. and like, I tried to listen to all of the bands in the book, and a lot of them I was just like, I can't get into this. But you know, when you listen to Minor Threat, it is such like to me. It's like pop music. It's like the easiest mm-hmm. thing in the world to get into. <laughs> yep, yep. I totally see that. Uh, I, I had a fairly similar experience as Molly in that, you know, I, I had some friends who were, you know, fairly punk. Yeah, you know, the whole uh, uh, studded everything. Like, I had one friend who occasionally dressed as, like, a knight in studded armor that, like, literally every part of his body was covered in the pyramid studs. That's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, it was it was an intense look. But I bet it was I always, very loud. Yeah, exactly. But through that... <laughs> Yeah, I, I knew of Minor Threat as like the punk band for people with scruples, and mm-hmm. I was from a very young, young age. Like, you know, that's that's too much uh, moral authority for me. I can't handle <laughs> that that kind of uh, that kind of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, you know, I, I would like seek them out when it was possible to, and and try to like be like, so what's their deal? But couldn't really get into it. It's not that it is not as with Molly. The thing that I vibe with probably least in this book is their band, but it's. You listen to that music, and goddamn, it's super impressive to imagine playing that shit that well mm-hmm. as like a nineteen-year-old. And I was listening to the Teen Idols record mm. yesterday that they made when they were like sixteen or seventeen or something like that. It's 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 out of it's out of control how like good that band played and how like cohesive the entire vision is. Uh, so immediately, but they, not my not my cup of tea. They really did like. Uh, I mean, like they retroactively. I mean, I can see where their influence is in a lot of what me and Brett do, mm-hmm. like now but through him because he's the one that kind of knew who they were and and what they were about, and like I I don't know I it like first of all we're all old enough that like buying a twenty minute CD just wasn't like cost effective <laughs> 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 where you're like god wait the whole cd's 20 minutes no thanks i will buy one of these one hour long <laughs> new metal albums that has eight songs yeah. of filler on it instead <laughs> oh man yeah no i was i was listening to uh the, some of the seven inches this morning as i was walking to get a coffee and realized i listened to like seven songs over the course of like two blocks it was kind of awesome <laughs> it's very it, efficient yeah, it rocks. Why, why, why put a second verse? Why put a second chorus? And why not play it at 180 beats per minute? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. I mean, it's so loud. It, it is like Out of Step is is the album that I, I really like. And it's just mm-hmm. so fucking loud mm-hmm. that that like that that's how you get into this stuff it, is like uh, uh, if you enjoy just loudness. Yeah. then minor threat is going to be the band for you rather than some of the some of the more artsy bands on our band yeah. could be your life because our band could be your life has like a lot of of like high concept and artsy bands mission of burma and stuff like that where you're like where i'm like i don't know i don't like really jive with these guys i kind of more jive with with your your minor threats and to a lesser extent the crossover bands of that mm-hmm. time too, like like I feel like I understand, despite their horrible politics and stuff. I feel like I just understand the Chromags and stuff <laughs> a lot more than I understand uh, uh, mm-hmm. like Big Black and stuff like yeah. that. I just I it, it's it's like uh, I run the op. I think I probably just run the opposite of you guys. I just like the 
I like, I like it. I do think that there is a lot about minor threat. Like the impressions I pulled from the book, uh, uh, irritated me quite a bit mm-hmm. about them too though there was there was like a real irritation factor of of these are kids that went to a private school that that like make that their parents had money they grew up in these intellectual households and stuff mm-hmm. like that 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 had money and then they're dictating what the ticket price should be and if the ticket price isn't that then you're ripping off the fans i think that really bugged me yeah 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 for sure well, uh, maybe let's start getting into the book, and we could talk about uh, uh, these these children who <laughs> redefined <laughs> music. Yes, <laughs> rude, rude, uh, insistent babies. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so uh, minor threat. Ian McKay, born in DC. The what I think uh, Michael Azarad put pinpoints is like the definitive moment of like what why he becomes the way he is is that when he's 13 his dad has like a visiting professorship of some sort in uh, California goes away comes back and he finds that all of his friends have started smoking pot and drinking and he his reaction to that is this is fucking gross man <laughs> uh, they're like committing petty crimes getting wasted like stealing things and he he's just like repelled and uh but at the same time, like he's still hanging out with them. They're like skateboarding. Uh, Henry Garfield, aka later Henry Rollins, is in the neighborhood. At first, uh, Ian said that if you saw Henry Rollins um, on the street, you would just run the other way because he was constantly trying to beat you up. But then that turned eventually into like a, an actual um, friendship. And Ian had always wanted to be in a band. He said he would shoplift plastic guitars and destroy them um, before he even bothered learning how to play them. Um, and then he met Jeff Nelson, who was well, a classmate. I'm, I'm interested yes. in the, I was interested in that detail because I'm like, what is a plastic guitar? Like a che- I would imagine like a cheap guitar from like Sears or something or whatever. It right? seems very difficult to shoplift. And also... Two like two paragraphs <laughs> earlier, he said, I came, "I came back and all my peers were shoplifting." Not cool, man. Anyway, I shoplifted all these guitars. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Where do we? Where do you draw uh, the line? Hypocrite, much? Wow, <laughs> wow, Mister Moral Authority. <laughs> so he meets he meets Jeff Nelson after uh, Jeff Nelson detonated a pipe bomb outside of their school, <laughs> and he basically went outside to like see what happened, which is one way to like bond. And um, then they started they started listening to punk kind of together. Their first show was The Cramps. Their first live punk show was The Cramps, which I think is pretty great. I feel like that's probably pretty instructive of how uh, nuts you can go on stage. And then Bad Brains was the other big influence on them. Uh, they saw Bad Brains, which uh, Ian said they were the coolest looking, most heavy looking dudes in the joint. Uh, and that that was what uh, inspired them to start their own band, which was the Teen Idols. Uh, I've seen Bad Brains once. I saw them uh, embarrassingly at a vice party in uh, in Brooklyn. Uh, like shortly after I moved here, uh, HR was wearing a gigantic snuggie the entire show. That's, that's a vibe. Cool, yeah, that's actually that's, very. It cool. was a vibe. He did not move much, but he was just like ensconced in this gigantic, uh, like it's uh, literally a snuggie. They were. It was cool to see them, but it, it really felt like I was doing like voyeur shit, having to seeing them at this like vice party that I. <laughs> waited in line for like a fucking asshole were people like dancing and interacting or was the crowd it was like dead? it's ex- like 2010 or 11 exactly what you fucking imagine this thing is it was a free colt 45 and some kind of premium tequila that they were launching Fuck. and it there was like literally in a warehouse with a half pipe inside of it where they had like pro skaters doing like tricks the entire time and like the bad brains were playing i 
like the it was the, one of the things where the experience itself was very cool, but I felt like a total dickhead the entire time for yeah. in, engaging in that culture. Yeah, I you understand. really. But but I mean, like, how else are you going to see the bad brains? Like, yeah. it, it's one of those bands that's like, well, if they come around, I have to see them. It's 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 a uh, it's it, there are a few of those that are like that with me. It's like, well. You know, I, I I had tickets before the pandemic for Rage Against the Machine, and I was oh, like, oh, so did we? We Brad. did too. I'm like, I don't know how interested I am in seeing Rage Against the Machine in a big arena and a seat mm-hmm. all the way in the back that I paid two hundred dollars for. But <laughs> yep. they they're coming around. I might as well fucking buy tickets to see yeah. them. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That that was our attitude too. I was kind of like, I don't I don't know how the what is what is seeing rage in in a seat. How is that going to feel? Yeah, I'm just, yeah. I'm just like sitting there, kind of like wriggling around. I don't. Yeah, know. and then like in like the nosebleeds of MSG in in the summer of 2020, if that had happened. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, I'd go in and be like, yeah, all right. And then like two minutes into the set, I I I'm sure I would just be headbanging or going like, this fucking rocks. This this band rules. I love these guys. This is awesome. I'm so glad I'm here. I got yeah. to see them. You know Woodstock '99, but they were tamped down a little bit because they came after uh, Limp Biscuit, and they had to kind of be good boys so that the crowd didn't <laughs> tear the place down. And that's the only time I ever got to see them. The other time I had tickets, they canceled. You know, yeah. Um, Hi, we're we're Rage Against the Machine, asking you to please behave nicely and respect the the boundaries of this festival. <laughs> Don't rage yeah. against this machine, please. Do, <laughs> yeah. do it elsewhere. Other machines, this one, do not. This yeah. machine might fall down if you keep raging. <laughs> this is very bad. But but like yeah, I can see I can see going to see the bad brains in that setting even knowing it's going to suck. I I I like I I also the thing I like about this book and about this chapter especially is like the kind of like I know it is a weird feeling to be like I'm trying to do this thing and there's this other thing that's way bigger that I just look up to. I want to. Do, I want to be like this. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was. It was. You know, the early early days of me and Brett podcasting. You know, you would see people who had you know pretty big shows, and you would just be like, "Oh, I'd really like to do that." And then you become friends with them, and uh, that's a really cool story to tell. And and like that's one of my favorite things about Minor Threat and and Bad Brains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they were just like, you know, rejected out, out of pocket for just being like kids who didn't know what the fuck they were doing because that was everybody kind of. And, and yeah. then later they and then later they get advice from them. But we'll get to mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the other detail that I loved about them and their like early teen idols days of like trying to present as punk once once they understood what punk was is uh, they, they would pound uh, nails into the soles of their boots so that they would make a lot of noise when they walked. But uh, Ian McKay described a, an incident where he was trying to go to his dentist's office and like get into the lobby and he opened the door, but the floor was marble. So he had no like leverage to open the door. So he was just like sliding. sliding. You know, it's so stupid. It's so funny. You know, that's another great thing about this band is the look. I, I mean, mm-hmm. like, that's, I think, maybe my favorite minor threat detail is that, like, they didn't do the mohawks and stuff mm-hmm. like that. that. That, like, I just, like, that whole part of punk, even though I'm a fan of punk now, like, I, I there's a lot of stuff that I like. None of that, like rancid or like uh, uh, that kind of stuff, interests me at all. It it is the people who are kind of paving their own way and and dressing boring, like Minor Threat yeah. does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I think that is a a 
complete improvement on the original punk is like hardcore being like, yeah, we're going to be like weird, but we're not going to be that. We're not, yeah. we're not doing like glamorous weird because <laughs> that's just like not accessible or like reasonable. And then like maybe even not that cool, but uh, the, the, the nails and the chain so that they're just making these like insane metallic noises. Sounds very funny to me. Yes. Yeah. It is um, very cool. So they, uh, you know, the teen idols get together. They're obviously very interested in the California punk scene. Like they know who Black Flag is. They're trying to get their hands on like all of the zines that are coming out of there. Uh, they take a bus out to L.A. to play shows uh, in August of 1980, which I just think is amazing that like just the kind of the confidence to just be like, we should just go like we don't have to like stay here. Things are happening there. Let's go. But they, uh, you know, it was anti hardcore uh, sentiment was very high in California and so they were constantly fighting basically it's, it sounds like they went on basically like a fight vacation where they were just like constantly getting into like scuffles with people but Ian McKay said uh, th- that's where they kind of learned that if you are a band and you're say like four guys walking down the street and one guy turns his head around and screams something uh, you know says a slur at you you're it's you're four guys go and beat him up <laughs> like that is something that's reasonable to do <laughs> Uh, like he said, it was like light, light, light bulbs going off in people's heads of like, wait a second, we don't have to take this. We can actually fight you. I love that. <laughs> we all act like, you know, being on Twitter, the, the, the like scene around the podcast and stuff of people getting mad at podcasts and shit and, and like doing tweet threads about, mm-hmm. about you and stuff like that. We all think that's such a pain in the ass, but back then it was like, you would just get spit on or punched in the face instead. Mm-hmm. And I much prefer this version of it. <laughs> it is it is true, but at a certain at a you know at a certain level I would just like to uh uh see I mean who who would I want for to to actually come up and try to start shit with us. You want you know. want the uh, Pod Save America boys to turn their location to, on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, it would, in a certain <laughs> way, it is much more honorable to just actually try to spit on us because at least you have to do something to our face instead of just like insinuate uh, all the the fucking nonsense about us. What's well, like you, why you got to you, bleed for your tweets? It's incredible that they would show up to the shows. Like you hate this guy, and then you right. just are like, I'm going to go to the show though. I mean, I don't know <laughs> yeah. why I would miss that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is, I mean, what else amazing. am I doing? Yeah. All right, let's listen to a teen, a teen Idol song. Great. You get back with Tyler. Tyler, what do you know? Tyler, so you do it. Why you just go? Just go. Just go. Just go. Just go. Make them up sources. They might come through. They might never practice. Maybe they come to you. Just go. Just go. Just go. Just go. Just go. Just go. That was Get Up and Go off Teen Idols, uh, one minor Great. disturbance EP. Uh, it's just, I mean, I don't know. It's just shocking to to have that much cohesion at, at that age. It's, it's a lot of dedication. Also to make something so unpleasurable to listen to. It's <laughs> <laughs> a very cool thing to do. Uh, uh, and, and also, this is a band that you can watch 
uh, learn how to how to do stuff because out of step sounds really good. Like for a mm-hmm. punk album, the production sounds great. The the production on that was not great. Yeah, right. no, it's it's kind of shocking. I was because I was listening to Out of Step earlier today. How I, I you know listening through their career over four years, like figuring out how to record themselves and become like from a basement tape to a real band. Yeah, yeah, they 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 really learned how to do it. But I I also like the attempt at a solo and and i think yes <laughs> <laughs> i think that is another thing that why i didn't get into punk like at a young age because i also like just didn't understand like why would you listen to somebody by the way i i thought fieldy was a good bass player back then so like i don't <laughs> i didn't know anything but why sure. would you listen to somebody who doesn't who proudly doesn't know how to play and then as yeah. i got older i realized like it's because they have this passion and they're trying to get the word out and they're doing it in the only way they can, which is obviously going to be inelegant, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But there's also just skill and the speed and precision of putting something like that together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. for sure. Different, different, different stats maxed. Yes. That's a good way of thinking about it. A lot of these bands just were like, uh, uh, all we have to do is find a drummer that can like really right. go nuts and then all the songs they just sound good because the drums are just so up front and and so fast and and when you're in a mosh pit that that it feels really good to to run to this music uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that reminds me of when we were like talking about the fall a while back of like the song is over when the drummer stops playing and like <laughs> yeah. your job is to just like stop playing hopefully like around the same time that they do and like that's a song yeah it's music it, it really is music not i like that it's like there's not very many music that aren't made with like a swing where where you could theoretically dance to whatever mm-hmm. they're doing uh this is really this is designed for for moshing and i think that's yep. that's a really cool thing especially because it's music that was designed for teenagers it was like this stuff wasn't for adults you know this wasn't yeah. for people that were into like lou reed and stuff like that this was for right. for like misfits that didn't even fit into a scene that was made out of misfits yes i do like the idea of uh like a psychologist uh getting groups of people together who haven't heard this music and putting them in a room and playing it and just being like if you had to dance how would you dance to this and they would invent (laughs) slam dancing because i really don't understand how else you would move to it it's very very evocative um so teen idols of course lasted i feel like maybe less than a year total, um, which is pretty normal. But they played their last show in November of 1980 at the brand new uh, 930 Club in D.C. And there was a, a rule at this time in in uh, Washington that if you, were, you minors weren't allowed into bars, um, but if the bars bars also had to serve food, and so if then it counted as a restaurant. So minors were maybe allowed into restaurants, but usually bars didn't want to risk. Uh, getting shut down, they solved this problem with something that they learned when they played San Francisco, which is uh, draw the X's on the back of our hands and we won't be able to drink. And that uh, became the, uh, the, the signifier of what eventually became straight edge, which it has lasted through, at least when I was a teenager, that was, that was the sign of you can't drink at the show. Yes. Yeah. The, the eternal black X's. Yeah, there are also there are also I mean it's amazing that that straight edge has is still 
exists. Like people get the X's yeah. tattooed on their hands in 2021, you know? Yeah. No, it's, it, a, it's a very effective brand, actually. Yeah, there is something very powerful about that idea. And you, we were like clowning at it about the, on it at the beginning of this episode, but the taking that rebellion all the way around and then being proud about being kicked out, you know, it's like the, the, the Groucho thing. I wouldn't want to be a part of a club that would have me as a member. You know, if, if, if I can't Mm -hmm. do this thing, I might as well proudly do this thing. And if I'm taking pride in the thing then I should really believe in it. Yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, so minor threat, they, they, they end teen idols and they're immediately like, uh, let's start another band. So they find, um, Brian Baker, who is, uh, bass player a child guitar prodigy who jammed with santana when he was a kid (laughs) which is so wild like what (laughs) yes how did that happen was santana just having like office hours i need more details (laughs) i need more details on this Uh, did he win a contest did he just get pulled up on stage because he like looked like he wanted to go i have questions i love Um, stories like this i i think there's a guy in crazy town that that was a prodigy that jammed with somebody i can't remember who it was but i was just like how do you jam with these legends you know especially and then end up in minor threat and crazy town (laughs) (laughs) oh my god um the uh and uh they added lyle preslar on drums um i I really enjoyed it it sounded like um uh uh uh, Jeff Nelson, he said that he kind of scared the the two new guys in the rhythm section because he had like a kind of a funky haircut and a a German military uniform that he found in the trash and sewed back together. Yeah, I, I can only assume that that must be some kind of Nazi thing, right? Not just like quote German military uniform. Uh, I feel like if it was, he must. I don't know. There was a I would, lot. Of, I would think he would said that, but there was a lot of Nazi imagery in that scene, though. There, yeah. there was yeah. the band SSD Control, which used the S like they really mm-hmm. liked Nazi imagery. But also, like, I would not, even though they have songs that maybe could be read as racist, I would say that they were doing the Nazi stuff. And, and I you'll probably get to the stuff about Guilty of Being White later. Yeah. But but like I think they were doing that the same reason they were doing straight edge because it was it was just scary and people don't remember mm-hmm. but like in the eighties I, I mean I don't remember the eighties obviously I was I was like just a kid but in the nineties and even in the early two thousands like it wasn't so forbidden to fuck mm-hmm. around with Nazi stuff you know you you would you would people would draw swastikas on their notebooks and stuff like that when i was in high school and it Mm -hmm. it wasn't because they were nazis it wasn't because they were racist it was because like the same reason the same thing that satanism does to christianity it's like it just scares the shit out of the adults who do understand the atrocities of the nazis yeah it's just it's just oppositional basically like it's not it's not aligning with the ideology so much it is just being like shocking and and just like in that era you know you think of like Nazis were like the villains in the Raider in the Indiana Jones movie. It's like it's like drawing a doodle of Freddy or Jason or something. They 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 were like movie villains in the eighties. It mm. wasn't a, 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 I mean certainly to certain people, and it would get more intense as certain sects of hardcore splintered off and were like, no, actually, this is the part of hardcore no, that th- we are exclusively. This is good. About. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is good, actually. Yeah, well, it, I, no, I I get it. Not not to uh, encourage or, or promote, you know, 
drawing swastikas and stuff. But, you know, when you're 17 years old and you're into punk rock and you're just trying to be fuck everything about everything, you're like, yeah, I don't know. The, the evil, whatever. Yeah, it, it it is like my parents, you know, it, it's like when I would play corn for my dad and he would be like, what the fuck is, what are you doing? This is going to ruin, you know what I mean? And yeah. you were just like, I don't know. I just, I, I like it even more now because yeah, you yeah, don't yeah. like it, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that was a lot of, uh, that was a lot of the reason for the Nazi stuff in, in, in these bands. Yeah. Well, uh, they basically, they, you know, Minor Threat, uh, like, gelled immediately. It just sounds like the, the combo was was awesome, and they kind of got, got started and, and killed it. Uh, and, you know, they, they were basically exemplifying the burgeoning uh, genre of hardcore. Um, I, you know, I think Black Flag kind of got it started, but they kind of, like, solidified it. I'm not sure if they would... I mean, I think I, Ian McKay said at the end of the chapter, like he he wouldn't want to take credit for the explosion, but he was very <laughs> close to the explosion. Um, but yeah, just this 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 thing of you know this new version of a punk that is a uh, louder, faster, very angry, uh, cha- channeling a lot of anger. Um, also, the scene in in DC that they were becoming a part of the punk scene was very insular. Um, and it was kind of like, you know, it wasn't a big town in that way and all their kind of influences and, you know, what they would listen to and what they would share with each other was uh, pretty well contained. And um, amazing detail of that is that the song Stepping Stone, which was originally a monkey's song, was such a common like shared song in this scene that they once Minor Threat played a seven uh, band bill and every band played a cover of Stepping Stone. <laughs> hey, <laughs> that's so I, funny. I love the monkeys. Like I, I, I probably if you checked my history, I've listened to the monkeys more than I've listened to the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking awesome. Uh, the monkeys rock. They have yeah. great songs. Brian, have you seen the movie Head, the monkeys movie? I've never watched it. No, I I should because I watched probably epi- every episode of the TV show when I was a kid. But also just like those songs are so good. I can see their influence on uh, 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 on this scene, like especially because mm-hmm. they didn't they didn't write the songs. They didn't play the instruments. They they were like they were these guys that were just like. I don't know. The musicianship wasn't the top priority to them. And I think I, that's I, a really cool thing. I can imagine how it would enter this as being like, it, wouldn't it be funny to cover a monkey song? And then everybody like got really into the song because it's actually a good song. And then everybody <laughs> had it. Let's listen to it. Just a second of stepping stone. Yeah, please. Uh, yeah, Brian, you should watch Head the Monkeys movie. It's uh, it's like, it's honestly like a, a weirdly subversive Monty Python before Monty Python movie. It's like all these weird like little sketches about how they're trying to escape confinement in Hollywood. It, it's great. Oh, it's that sounds cool. I, I'm gonna have to watch it for sure. I I am it's a re- big fan. It's really funny and has some great dance numbers. Anyway, here's a little Monkeys diversion. You know. You were saying like that Ian didn't want to take credit for the explosion or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he said he was in. Uh, that is a thing that I identified with 
in yeah, this yeah. chapter more than anything. Because like every time I do a show at this point, every time I'm a guest on one of the one of the left podcasts or something, like they are like it's the guy that started it all. Uh, <laughs> you're like, I don't know about that, man. Yeah, I'm like, well, I can't really take credit for for every. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I can uh, being being like a guy that's just like, no, I didn't. Like Ian McKay just being like, I didn't start this. I was just in a band. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> is, is the way I often feel when I when I do something. Like you, you don't have to call me the grandfather. I did not invent <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> and also in its own way, I feel like, you know, I'm sure that that is always meant as being very complimentary, but it also, I imagine it feels like it a bit detracts from your own success of what you built because in the end, no, I'm the guy from Street Fight. I do the show and that's the, <laughs> the show that I, I, I do and that's like my whole thing, not all these other shows that came after me. Yeah, and it, but it is also just embarrassing. Uh, uh, I, I mean, I understand <laughs> that it's like really compl. I, I, I do take it as a compliment. I, 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 I it's very compl. People are very complimentary of us, and they're very kind to us. But like, just taking, just looking at it from Ian's Ian's point of view here is like that guy had a bunch of shit laid on him. Because mm -hmm. he right. was looked at as the guy that invented this thing. And, like, uh, uh, um, I understand him being like, well, you can't, like, blame me for every <laughs> single thing that happened after this. Especially, like you said, when a lot of, like, the stuff went right wing and, like, got really mm -hmm. nasty yeah. after after a while right or yeah. just started to like suck musically too like yeah. that's that shouldn't necessarily be be put on him anyway that's hey, my man. favorite that's one of my favorite things about this scene is that they all turned into metal bands when they learned how to play their <laughs> instruments <laughs> just ian mckay being like hey man i didn't i didn't invent screwdriver they're their their own thing please don't, <laughs> don't make me answer questions about them yeah, and it's not like I'm proud of of the scene and everything. Like I I wouldn't say that I'm not proud of it. I just don't want to I don't think like you know all of these things happen in their own world. You know, like yeah. the, all of these separate bands were not like coordinating with each other to do the same thing. They right. were all trying to cultivate their own little world for themselves and they just so happen to overlap with each other and that's what i always think about because i you know chris you have to have gotten the multiple tweets and texts and emails that say uh that you guys and us and come town and and uh, <laughs> uh struggle session and the trillbilly should all start a network and it's yes. like, well, I mean, how would you do that? Not a single one of us is a business person. <laughs> and also, like, what would that mean? Yeah, it's all. It, I mean, it makes sense if you're like you if you're like minor threat and you want to need to start a label to literally make music listenable and purchasable. Mm -hmm. But it's not like we're pressing these podcasts to vinyl and have to like ship them across the country. <laughs> Although yeah. that would be cool. And one day I will press a podcast to vinyl. I know but you they, will. But they, but 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 like the way people talk about. Minor Threat and Black Flag, yeah, and all of the all of these bands in in that the Dead Kennedys, all these bands in that circle were that like they all got together and made a decision to do this thing that was a uh, uh, that was like an intentional and build like a scene, and that's just not mm -hmm. the case. They were separate entities doing a thing that that you know 
they were friends. They got along. They they did stuff together. They worked together. But like minor threat isn't to blame for what would happen with Black yes. Flag or what right. would happen with like SSD control and stuff like that. Like they didn't. That's why Ian McKay kind of shrinks, I think, shrinks away from that. And also, I mean, the baggage of the straight edge movement has to right. be one of the worst things in the world to have on your back. Yes. <laughs> Somebody yes. sent me a video of Ian McKay telling a story about <laughs> he was drinking iced tea before a show and a kid walked up to him. It was the first thing he heard at the show. A kid walks up to him and goes, uh, my friend says that tea has caffeine in it and caffeine is a drug. And Ian McKay said, tell your friend to fuck off. <laughs> My God. <laughs> <laughs> so like that, right. that there's the guy I, I find him endlessly fascinated because he is sort of imprisoned by this this thing that he did when he was 17. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like we'll talk about this in a little bit, too. But just the idea that he he's singing, writing songs about my rules for me. And everyone's like, our rules for us? And he's like, no, <laughs> only if you want them. Yes. But these are mine for me. Yeah, uh, and it, it must be very frustrating to have a a personal ethos of nonconformity that then you present to the, the world and everybody's like, oh, we should conform to your nonconformity. Yeah. yeah. And then hold you to it yeah. Uh, dogmatically yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah. Such yeah, as with iced tea. I mean, that is another thing that, like, I really identify with, too, is, like, uh, when people are, that that's another thing that happens with this this podcast scene is you're supposed to denounce people. And you're like, yeah. I'm not a fucking preacher. Why would I denounce somebody? <laughs> that's hold been it, you gotta hold them nice. accountable. Yeah, that's yeah. been nothing but nice and kind to me. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go ahead and denounce a guy that I've partied with and had a lot of fun with, you know? <laughs> No, every every day, every uh, podcaster should wake up, uh, look at their list of their people and just tweet out and be like, they're good. You know, what? actually, th th this guy recently said some stuff. Fuck this guy. And just do like a little daily update of, uh, yeah, of a of, shit list. Affirmations and denouncements. Yeah, but it's the same to, thing. to hold people accountable. It does. It does parallel, though, with like this set of rules that we are all supposed to abide by when mm -hmm. like we didn't agree i didn't agree to a set of rules i just right. i have my i have sort of the rules that i have for what i do and everybody else has a different set of rules for what they do and that's what this scene that's what the mm -hmm. the 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 hardcore scene was it was like ian had his set of rules but in the book it even talks about like he didn't even hold the drummer to minor threat to those rules yeah yeah right <laughs> the the guys and a couple of guys in minor threat would like have some beers sometimes and yeah. that was still you know they're they're like we're not being not straight edge like we're we are doing what is right for us that that's what that means you can straight picture edge is, straight edge is in your heart not in like a book somewhere you can but picture, actually <laughs> you can picture sitting down at your drum kit getting ready for the show to start and just taking a drink of beer and getting that like disgusted look from everybody in the room and Ian kind of shaking his head yeah. like you're fucking <laughs> up my thing dude. <laughs> <laughs> We're supposed to be a team. Yeah. Um so they uh 
they record uh they they do the i was about to say like the time-worn practice uh the relatively recent but uh still important practice of uh starting their own record label in order to record their own music and distribute it um which was discord records they put out uh the teen idols minor disturbance ep first uh which they were basically had been holding on to for like a year um, amazingly, they sent it to a zine that they found in Lansing, Michigan called Touch and Go. They First sent, time we'll hear about them, but they will come back. They will come back. Uh, they sent it. They sent them the record. The record broke in the mail, but the uh, album art was so intriguing to the Touch and Go people that they taped the record back together, listened to it in two to three second bursts, and from there decided that they liked it so much that they uh, wrote them back and said, can you please send us another <laughs> copy? Which we talked. We were just talking with uh, Rob Sheffield about uh, Mission of Burma and like how fucking hard things were just in analog times and that is just completely exemplary of that of like our record broke you can you can't listen to it we tried to send it to you it doesn't work yeah, and going through the trouble of taping it together listening to like basically previews of it <laughs> and then being like okay now let me write a letter to somebody in a different state and they'll put a record yeah I mean exhausting to, to people like slightly older it might seem like yeah that's obviously how it works but just having to wrap your mind around it at, at a time when i've got like the entire minor threat discography just pulled up in front of me on on <laughs> spotify yeah yeah Di- discord is i i will say this discord is a huge inspiration to me like mm-hmm. i i think discord is maybe one of the Discord is the way that people talk about ICP, too. It's like, mm. we, we created our own world. We didn't need help from the gatekeepers. And it's really impressive to pull it off, like, pre-internet, you know? Yeah, like, right. Street Fight would have just been two guys talking pre-internet. Uh, maybe put it on tape and send it around, yeah. like, the Jerky Boys it's or real, something. It's I guess that's what the fucking Jerky Boys is, but who knew, did the Jerky Boys ever make fucking money off of Jerky Boys shit? I don't think so. I they probably I would guess that they probably got some cash from the movie, like that that, that they're, they, they got a deal. But I did read about God damn it, what was the? <laughs> there's a prank call tape that I know of, uh, uh, which I believe is the ones to Red. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? Where they, where they, it's the one that uh, inspired the Simpsons prank calls, a, a tube bar. They would call this guy Red, and they would prank him, and he would get so pissed, and he would like cuss him out. And I mm-hmm. recently was listening to one of fucking my 87 shock jock shows, <laughs> and uh, they had one of the guy, the guy that made that album, and he was doing, this album has gone around to everybody. It has been played on every shock jock show. I have heard mm-hmm. it a billion times. It is such a, a fixture in that world of comedy, and he was on a radio show trying to sell a band camp version of it to pay for a medical procedure because Jesus. they never oh, made a dime off of that off of that tape because it was well, a tape. all those well all those eighties uh, prank tape guys should have taken a page out of Ian McKay's book and started a, a prank <laughs> record label to just just and like I'm I'm just imagining like trying to do like zine culture for like jokes and that you could also do like the under like how people would uh, like trade vhs tapes in like the 90s and stuff like that uh that that it was a mr show sketch about the v the tape guy like the drug dealer but for vhs tapes (laughs) uh 
but um yeah just imagining like reading reading the the pod the podcast zine being like <laughs> being like yeah there's this tape going around of these four guys talking about the uh, 1980 presidential podcast <laughs> or presidential primary it's really good you got to get your hands on this <laughs> but they didn't the the reason guys like that didn't make money is because they played it on the radio so much that people just taped it off the radio which yeah. was actually which is actually funny to think about because like at, when tapes became popular, the RIAA freaked out about them. Right. You know? Taping <laughs> like, is yeah. killing music. Yes. And, and like these bands, I mean, even just to say, like, I don't care if you pirate my shit is such like kind of a revolutionary act to me. I, I think it's such mm -hmm. a, a cool thing. And that's something that that they encourage. And, and, and like, uh, uh that really inspired me where it was like, okay, I'm like not going to make a, a billion dollars doing this thing. But uh, the people that aren't the people that love it are paying for it so that the people that steal it can have access to it. <laughs> yes. That's <laughs> how I think of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, that's uh very socialistic, you know, pay, and that's pay, what discord what is. That, I, yeah. I, mm -hmm. I believe that's what discords operating on is just kind of like, okay, volume, like, we're just going to make as much shit as we can. We're not going to make any money off of it, but it's going to fund our lifestyle. And and that's that's what I that's why I'm so I feel so lucky that my thing worked is just like, OK, like, you know, I drive a fucking 2015 Kia Soul. But uh, um, but like I uh, uh, don't have to go to a job every day and I mm. get paid to talk. <laughs> like uh, uh, I think that's how they see it. I mean, yeah, they yeah. even had the Discord house, which yes, right. was house. they. Which, by the way, why buy a house if you're not going to party? I guess. Yeah. No, we're we're buying a house to manufacture records and obey rules. And yeah, fight fight with each other about who washes the dishes is how yes. I imagine seventy five percent of the conversations went inside Discord house. I I would like at least a, a bit of information in this book about what they did, quote for fun. Yeah. Like, at at yeah. this time, what did like nineteen-year-old Ian McKay do for a treat? For a his, treat, for a minor his, treat. His a minor brand, treat. Yes. His brand is so. It's funny because his brand is so fucking serious, and like yeah. he can't even. Like it's not like he put this brand out. He can't break through being like mm -hmm. the serious guy if he showed up on Chapo and did an hour and a half where he was the funniest guest you've ever had, people would still be like, that guy's fucking serious, man. He's like, <laughs> he makes business. <laughs> Which has to be a well, pain because when you read about Discord House, uh, uh, it sounds like a nightmare to be. Yes. Oh, yeah. No way. The I mean, the one of the sort of uh, chief things about Ian McKay in this chapter is that he seems to basically just be looking around and being like, what happened to the 60s? Like, what happened to the idealism of the 60s? I thought we were going to turn into a society where people were kind of like subsistence farming for justice. And then instead, <laughs> like, everyone in the 60s just squandered all that goodwill. Everyone's getting high all the time. Like, instead of, you know, being productive members of these, like, they're, micro societies, we're starting it over. They're and doing course, these dumbass dances to disco music. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> 
Yeah. Which I, I, mean, I, I understand. I understand why he feels that way, but it is a little, it, in some ways I feel like it as, it is as corny to be like waving around wondering what happened to the 60s as it is to, to like ruin the, whatever the mood of the 60s was. <laughs> it is interesting to think about like the time that he came around where people were still very much romanticizing the 60s. I mean, that kind of stuff. Yeah was still going on until I think social media really people started yeah. to be like hippies are chodes man <laughs> <laughs> but like when I was growing up and probably a lot of the time Ian was growing up you would I mean they would do full television miniseries called the 60s and it would just be like uh -huh. an examination of all the great things that happened in the 60s and you you got to be sitting around DC getting your ass kicked by a drug dealer <laughs> down the street and being like, wait a minute, uh, none of that 60s stuff is happening anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he said that he watched the Woodstock movie like a dozen, dozen times yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, That's a maniac thing to do. Just, yeah. I mean, I've seen it a bunch of times because it was on all the time. Still, it, I'm a maniac, so I'm a crazy person. Ian <laughs> <laughs> McKay being a, uh, uh, this is a type of guy. I, I can give you mm -hmm. guys a, a type of guy that exists that you might not even yes. know about because you're not in the Midwest or anything, but guy that gets drunk every Friday and Saturday night and watches classic rock concerts on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, it's that's not too kind far. of what we've been doing during quarantine. No, I mean, <laughs> but yes, that's that 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 being like the 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 default mode. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, does does Daft Punk Alive 2007 count as classic rock at this point? At this because point, <laughs> honestly, maybe almost five, almost. five years. The yeah. band's broken up. They're gone. It's it's classic rock. Oh man, and Ian Chris, McKay. we are we are so washed. We got to get vaccinated. <laughs> Ian McKay was that kind of guy. He was yeah, he yeah, was yeah. watches Rolling Stones concerts. <laughs> Except do, doing it extremely soberly, yes. right? And just like tenting fingers and being like, "Yes, good. I, I, these are great musicians. I need to. I need to be like this." I could go on Facebook any Friday or Saturday night and see some guy I went to high school with live tweeting like a fucking Metallica concert from 1987. <laughs> those uh, those yeah, were we the should, days, uh, Molly. This weekend we should watch the uh, Metallica see the Metallica live in Russia concert to where they play to a million people. Done. Boom. Great. Let's right, do let, it. Let's move a little further in the the minor threat story. Well, let's. Do you want to listen to their? You know, something from the uh, amazingly their first release on their own release on Discord uh, was an untitled seven inch. I just love you know. Just put out a yeah. record. Was it called? I don't know. I don't really care. Um, but maybe so, something from the early early times for for minor threat. Oh, you know what we got to go for is uh, straight edge itself. Let's do it. Here he is. The Urtex. pointed out how melodic uh, Ian McKay's yelling is, which I totally understand that he's not just like barking, like it's it's on key. That's it. That's the song. I fucking love that song, though. I, I it's great. Love, mm -hmm. And it, that song is so against my principles. <laughs> <Like> every <laughs> one of them. I drink. 
uh, I have a kid, so I have fucked. I hate to say horny stuff, but uh, I don't drink actually. But yeah, that's I, just, I that's just a biological reality. Yes, sure. that's a biological reality. So <laughs> it is. It is proof. It is sad that they decided fucking was like a, a bad thing to do. That's kind of the we we don't need to get into full on like uh, Gen Z discourse, but the like it, I I kind of see that in some rhetoric on the internet today. The like kind of it, it you go so far around that you're back to puritanical shit. They yeah. do clarify at some point that they're like, well, okay, not all fucking. It's just the kind of uh, impulsive, the you know, the 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 rude, the the uh, where you don't you know, have sloppy, a soul connection. Yeah, with your you partner. know, like where you just get like. <laughs> drinking to to get, have fun and fucking I'm like okay guys i mean they're like uh, ma- making love is okay but, but fucking is uh, <laughs> yes exactly they, they they couldn't fit that in, in the song yeah. um, they do talk about that a, a, a bit in this chapter about where where they're like whoa hey let's let's walk this fucking thing back a little bit <laughs> yeah 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 right right <laughs> um yeah so the like uh, it's it's funny the the vibe at the shows too in keeping with being straight edge it, it just sounds like it's kind of like the uh, I don't get I don't get no respect like they're they're treated like teen teeny punks was how they were <laughs> referred to which had to be infuriating if you were in minor threat or uh or similar um and because they would go to shows or they'd be on bills with people who would party uh and who thought that you know a bunch of like sober slam dancing kids was was actually incredibly annoying which i can completely understand if i (laughs) went to certain shows and was like you know just trying to like get a little drunk and have fun and these people are like uh windmilling into me i would probably (laughs) i would probably be annoyed um but they they uh you know they in terms of like the dogmatism, Ian was basically like, I was just trying to defend myself against the idea that I was a freak for not drinking. So like it was, it, he, it wasn't instructive, even though when you listen to a song like that, it sounds instructive, right? Like it sounds yeah. like he's like telling you to do something. It's so intense. But in, in his head, he's just like, no, no, no. I'm just trying to like kind of hold on to my own sense of, of self. Yeah. And I get that. Cause it's like, you know, if people are like picking on you, making fun of you your entire life, which it's very short at that point. You know, you're right out of high school and it's like, you just came out of all that drama. You have a few decisions that you made that self. He says at another point that Ian had a close family member who had a rather severe alcohol uh, yeah. problem, mm-hmm. so, which might've directly affected it. And people are like, you're expected to do things. All the cool kids are doing something some way. And you're building an identity around this oppositional, uh, music genre of punk and being like, uh, as as I said very earlier, like it's it's kind of an ultimate fuck you, uh, and then you and then people get really mad about it, and you have to be really defensive about it, and that you have to be defensive is going to make you even more aggressive about it, and it kind yeah. of I like get the the self um, fueling cycle of that. There yeah, are there sure. are parts of this book where other bands talk about Minor Threat and how they would you know. Uh, uh, pour beer on their pillows in the punk house and stuff which you know luckily now if if we start touring before Chapo, we're mm-hmm. doing it in punk houses and luckily <laughs> <laughs> we, we, i've never had to go to a punk house in my life but like it really <laughs> seems like minor threat were the band that they were still getting bullied by a lot of these yeah. bands. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they said they were on a, a bill with uh Husker Du and they uh the guys from Husker Du would like toss a uh, aspirin onto the stage uh to like make fun of them for for their attitudes toward drugs. People would dedicate uh dedicate song like songs about drinking 
to Minor Threat. I think even Henry Rollins. Their old buddy. Yeah. Yeah. You you can say it, Chris. Oh, yeah. Even their their old good buddy, Henry Rollins, who also did not drink, would dedicate six pack to Minor Threat in. the top of their shows that that was probably him being funny though but then again you have to always think about how the audience perceives what you're doing yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) the that audience that that minor threat audience uh probably not the smartest audience in in the the combination big black well yeah if you're there for big black and minor threat you're like you're probably there for big black and you probably (laughs) think or not big black a black flag yeah yeah. big black flag uh, you, you're probably like those are the cool guys. These straight edge teens from DC uh, are the are the nobodies. So you're you're taking your cues from Rollins, right? The New York stuff in this chapter is like really. I I think that's maybe my favorite part of the whole book is is mm-hmm. is minor threat going to New York and just not not fitting it at all. In in a scene that the the Crow Mags, that Carnivore, that uh. uh all these other bands fit into misfits mm-hmm. fit into they can't fit into that like yeah <laughs> they're, they're the problem yeah they're out of step out yeah of step. well they Which, did they do say that like when they first went to new york people were like you know fuck you guys and then they would go to the shows and get into fights they would go cause the trouble which yeah, is yeah they would like take buses of the dc kids up to new york and and all the uh the cool urbane New York hipster punks would be like, "Who are these? Who are these wild little children from from DC? Oh, they're very very out of control. We don't we don't we don't like that." The New York punks. We're all scene, probably using heroin here. Yeah, we're, not, we're York, not on the uh, the sober trip. The New York punk scene was so much different. It was so like you said, urbane and bohemian and artsy. It like the shit all came from you know if you read Please Kill Me, uh, yeah. it all came from like that kind of stuff and and minor threat is not that they are they are professional wrestling you know is <laughs> <laughs> what they're 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 they are that will never be considered this because they weren't popular with kind of working class people or whatever but they mm-hmm. i would i would tie them to like low culture type of stuff that which I, that's not an insult that's like all i consume is like low culture stuff yeah <laughs> I have a, I have a question to rope that back in for the very end of this, but uh, what what's next in the minor threat story? Um, so the band briefly broke up uh, when Preslar wanted to go to college, which he went and then um, pretty much immediately dropped out. Um, uh, Northwestern, go Cats! Uh, and incredibly, I I just this blows my mind. They've faced backlash in the DC scene for reuniting under the same name. That's I feel like the point where I would just I would be like man fuck you people like what do you want from us like so they quoted a fanzine from someone who wrote all they had to do was reform under a different name and they would be dc's best hardcore band i'm like you've got to be kidding me what is it like they thought that was like like selling out i'm like selling out to who yes who's buying they had taken, taken one semester one college semester's length of time off being black flag and they come they come back and are, are uh, you know suddenly sellouts that gets a uh, one come on man for me yeah that's, that, that rated come on that reminds me of the guy that we would give our patreon feed to for free who got very mad at me because i had 225 dollar boots <laughs> 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 stopped listening you know I, I will not you know support you anymore i'm like you're not supporting me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> which is that i that feels like kind of the same thing is like i mean 
they could have been a much bigger band had they not been hamstrung by the DC hardcore scene, I think. Yeah, yeah. I can just, I, I can understand just looking around and being like, these are my people. Like, what, where am I? Well, we, yeah, we get, I mean, we're getting to that part already. It's like they formed in 1980 and then by like 1982, you're getting quotes from McKay being like, this this scene's not the same, man. It's like 18 months later, they're like, scenes change. Lots gone down. I've, I mean, I've grown up. It is interesting to think about like a scene is definitely going to change between the ages of like 16 and 21. Like thinking mm. about how much you change when your yeah. scene is made up of people that are roughly the same age, like that scene had to die out. There was no way it could have sustained in the way that it was. That's it, that makes total sense. I was literally going to wonder aloud, like why, why is punk and, and hardcore, why did things, why was the half-life so short? And it's just because they're so young. Yes. Yet being young just means that you, like, there's no sense of, of consistency at all. Right. Would there like, be? If you start it at 27, then your mm -hmm. thing's not going to change very much, you know? Right. Uh, uh, but if you start at 16, it's just, you, you go through 87 different personality types between 16 and 21. Yeah. Right. It, 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 that, there is like a central joke, even if it's like dark or, or kind of subtle or subliminal to every chapter here. And the, the I think the central joke of this minor threat chapter is that it's all discussed by all the members. And this could be just how Azra chose to write it mm -hmm. as if this is the story of some legacy band that had been around for like 27 years and like finally collapsed under its decadence and excess. But it's really like 27 months. Yeah. But they were together. And, and at the end, they were everybody's like, we just couldn't keep it going anymore. We had done everything that we set out to do. We <laughs> also had we had played it. We played across the country. It is like you guys. We released. One... We released nine albums. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. In it's a like, scene guys... with no decadence. You know what yeah, I mean? Like yeah, they don't like... have any of the trappings of rock and roll, of, of the rock and roll lifestyle. They got none of that. Yeah, yeah. It's all all pain. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, very little pleasure, seemingly. Yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, they they reunited. Um. And then kind of kept playing together. I have to share this story because I feel like the the through line of having a bad experience playing with a uh, public image limited, uh, oh. is, is is universal. That they have the opportunity to open, uh, for PIL. Uh, it's. Talk about being a upset about uh, ticket prices. I think it was like an eight dollar show, and they weren't going to get paid at all. They could they couldn't afford to pay the opener. Um, and Ian McKay was like, "That's fine. Uh, just pay us in you know pizza and soda." But they get to the show. I think it was at like Maryland Maryland State University or some bullshit like that. Uh, they they got there. All yeah, the college take that, kids, Maryland State University. Yeah, fuck you. Uh, the the kids working the show had already eaten all the food, and the soda was a supermarket brand. And and Ian is quoted as saying, we were connoisseurs of soda and it was such a slap in the face. <laughs> I, I fucking, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I want a Sprite. I don't, I don't want, or, or a Dr. Pepper, not Dr. Thunder. Don't yeah. leave that out of <laughs> yes. here. Okay. Yep. Yes. 
connoisseurs of so and I mean especially straight edge like they're they're not drinking beer they are really drinking soda they're very yes. interested in soda there, they've got the flavored nuance is it too much to just get an a on brand coca-cola <laughs> yeah <laughs> the worst thing about this the thing that is a bummer about this book is no public image limited chapter because they come up in almost every chapter in a negative yeah, yeah, story. Yeah. they are the vil- like the villains of this book and then at that same show mckay expresses disappointment that he was hoping that his hero, John, one of his heroes, John Lydon, would like he'd be like, ah, at least I get to play a show for like, the guy from the Sex Pistols. And they finish playing the show and walk off stage and see as see out the concert door, a limo pull up, and John Lydon get out of it, like in, just in time to see them to not see them play. Yeah, uh, being pissed off about it. The limo in the college town is also so funny to me. Yeah, you know, some uh, poor kid has at the college has been in charge of calling like the town's only like taxi and limousine company and being like, I got, uh, I got to hook them up. Mr. Lydon requests a limousine from the airport to the, the concert venue. <laughs> limo at two hundred capacity venue is such a funny concept to me. So goofy. I, ca- <laughs> I it's it's kind of funny, honestly. Yeah. Like. I kind of respect it, actually. It, yeah. Just having on their rider, it's like, yeah, it, we we have to show up. <laughs> it, it, that has the same aesthetic as Sid Vicious covering my way, you know, as John <laughs> Lydon t- taking the the a limo to a two hundred cap venue. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I got, I got I, now. I'm going to talk to Brett about just one show where we pull up in a in a stretched limo and get out and do the live show. <laughs> take the limo to the punk house afterwards yeah yeah. (laughs) if you do that if you do that please do uh tail tuxedo tops and cut off bottoms (laughs) i i i i I don't want to be a liar i still have never been to a punk house before i i don't it's the scariest concept to me like every time i've ever had a musician on my show like a punk musician all i talk about is the punk house (laughs) what was that like I've definitely seen shows that have happened at something that would be considered a punk house, but I've never been like invited to hang out at a place, which I think is no. like a level of coolness or hardcoreness that I've never obtained. For yeah, sure. a hardcoreness. I, I can I can pay money to like go in and and again voyeur have a like a, a voyeur experience of being like and you see, you're telling me people live here this place that I'm watching somebody use an electric drill as a musical instrument <laughs> when I imagine it. And and this is maybe what I imagine of the Discord house, too. Although this might be unfair of the Discord house, because now that I think about it, it's probably actually a very clean house where they do the dishes and all right. of that stuff. I They're very I, alert. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm wrong about that. I also do <laughs> think the Discord house should be on the registry of historic uh, yes. places. Yes. But it, it, Absolutely. it won't be. But, like, what a weird... What a weird story that is. It, it's just a house in the suburbs. And uh, they would just hang out there and bring down the property values of the neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> um, should we listen to something from Out of Step? Yes. Uh, let's see. Let's do Out of Step, the other straight edge song. Oh, uh, I love this that is the song. one that it's really good. It also has the the goofy monologue in it, which is also good but it is goofy and this right, is they had to re they had to re-record the monologue because they wanted to explain after the fact that they these weren't instructions they were merely suggestions <laughs> <laughs> imagine you fuck up so bad <laughs> right
they're like so important to the whole world, I don't have to find much importance in because of these things, whether they're whether they're fucking or whether it's playing golf. Because of that, I feel It's 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 very cool. Very uh, the the monologue thing is goofy. I get why they did it, but also just got that band is so tight. Yeah, they're so good. Yeah. That is mm-hmm. such a good song. Like that is totally against all of my principles. Where it's like <laughs> you you listen to it and you're like, I don't agree with this, but I'm fucking going crazy to this. <laughs> I'll yeah. defend to the, the I'll defend to their death their right to say it, especially if they play it that well. Yeah, I yeah. like his voice a lot. Like I, I it reminds me of of Laura Jane Grace. Especially mm. in the early against me years, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it felt like when when she was performing as Tom Gable, like it remind they were kind of the first punk band I I got really really into, and uh, um, the album Reinventing Axl Rose is really cool and it's and great kind of yeah, yeah I, I fucking love it and they kind of uh, uh, used the Ian McKay voice you can hear his his influence on that album and uh, I I. I fucking love the voice that you don't hear it yeah. very often. They people don't people actually have to be able to sing now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. It's not it's not just screaming. It's uh it's very tuneful. It's, right, it's and it's very impressive. It's not especially metal if you've screaming. like ever tried to yes if you've ever like tried to even sing karaoke to a song with like normal lyrics over a crowd and just how much that immediately destroys your voice if you're not decent at it or know what you're you're doing. To be able to keep up something like that, I mean, I have no idea how long a minor threat show was. I can't imagine that they ever played for longer than twenty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> that's the weirdest <laughs> thing about punk. That is probably also why I wasn't into punk when I was young because it was like I'm not gonna fucking pay five dollars to go to a concert for twenty five minutes. You know, <laughs> I think it says in the book at some points that the shows were were they just went and played the whole album and then yeah, yeah. kind of stood there. <laughs> I mean, oh they have twenty five songs total. I can't, and the, I mean, I can't imagine them playing for. I it, can't imagine them taking more than forty minutes to play all twenty five of their songs if they tried to do it. Yeah, <laughs> their whole. I mean, I'm sure their whole Spotify is forty five minutes. Yeah, right. They have a few. They have a few that nudge up past three thirty, but not many. <laughs> <laughs> God, uh, you know, I I really like I. That's something that like I think streaming has really kind of ended up helping a lot is is the short songs because you know i didn't think it was possible to make a good song under three minutes and 30 seconds and and i don't think i would have been very pleased with like 30 second or one minute and a half songs but now that it's like kind of all there like Mm -hmm. a minute and a half song's great it's like an hour and a half movie which is the best length for a movie agreed my my favorite short short song time is about 209 Nice. I think that's a gr- I think that's a great length for a shorter song. Yeah. That is good. I mean, I do a podcast, the POD cast about new metal albums, and something that has been so frustrating when doing that is when you listen to review them, they're all like sixty five minutes long, and you're like, why did you make a sixty five minute long <laughs> album? Like, why do all of the you 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 know yeah. you look at Sugar Ray's the we just did Sugar Ray on there. Uh, uh, floored and i i started to listen to it i was like why is sugar ray album 65 minutes long why do i have to deal with this 
<laughs> why is the puddle of why? What could puddle of mud possibly have to say <laughs> for, six, for seven? Yeah, for seventy minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and these albums are so refreshing. But but like, yeah. I think you know the the music industry early on when it was when it was kind of still really booming. Uh, executives probably didn't want to release songs this short because people would say they got ripped off. Was it was it in this chapter, Molly, where they have the anecdote where they were like, we released a nine song single and we're like, are we, can you do that? Oh. Is that allowed? <laughs> <laughs> it was in one of these first four chapters where somebody says we they put out a nine song yeah. single. Yeah. Hey, if it, if it fits, if it fits, it sits. Yeah. Um, I, uh, to, kind of get get toward the end of their career not that it's you know very long to begin with they they put out this album they're touring a bunch when they tour in 1983 they find that there's just more places for them to play and just like more of a network like the thing has grown to become a thing um and chris this is by your request but i think this just characterizes the kind of um uh scuffles they were constantly getting into when they would play on tour uh they just got into fights basically it seems like every place they went um but this is san francisco uh san francisco was home to a hardcore gang called the fuck-ups which who were led by one bob noxious the fuck-ups specialized in beating up singers from bands noxious had tackled a 45 grave singer dina cancer on stage and the gang's women's auxiliary the fuckettes vowed to get mckay and so Ian McKay gets basically like uh, uh, completely blindsided uh, on stage by like a bunch of fuckettes. And he says he's just like fight like he's like just like kicking and punching and like try like punched out Bob Noxious, like just total Wild West. I, of I just comportment. I just love the sentence. Bob Noxious from the fuck ups tackled <laughs> Dariah Cancer. What is her name? Dina Cancer. Bob Bob Noxious of the fuck ups tackled Dina cancer on stage. Like all those names are so great. And Molly and I were both trying to figure out our punk names earlier and both immediately first suggested uh, Chris fuck and Molly fuck, but I'm calling dibs on Chris fuck. I think Chris fuck is funnier. What did I decide on? Like Mo- Molly O garbage. I think that that would be good. Yeah. I thought Mo- that was okay. Molly O garbage or Molly O trash. Oh, trash. Molly O trash. I've always felt very lucky that like when this, when, when I got my Twitter name, that I didn't really understand punk and didn't know much about punk because it was 2009. It was before I, I had, well, I met Brett, but you know, we weren't hanging out all the time. And, uh, uh, murder. Brian is like, a, that good. is a real punk name. That's why I yeah. let people call me murder. Brian. Like <laughs> it, it really, it really flows too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah if yeah. I, I do feel like Gigi Allen. Like yeah, with that you, name. Oh man, so you guys, so you guys are heading out to Columbus. You got to crash with Murder Brian. Yeah, he's got a, he's got the best <laughs> punk house in the vicinity. I would never have a good punk house. I because I I have to have my bed made every night. So my <laughs> punk house, my cot would have to be made every night. But yeah, it, the uh, the gang thing was is always very weird to read about in in those scenes. Like because you know this is even true of like metal in San Francisco was there were gangs. There's a documentary Mm. called murder in the front row about Mm -hmm. the thrash metal scene from that time. And, and like it was obviously made by these guys that were in 
one of the gangs that was involved with like Exodus and Metallica and, and all of these bands. And all they do is brag about how they beat people up. We used to beat up posers. And like, if they came in wearing like a, a, a faster pussycat t-shirt, we would cut it off of them and like wrap the band around our arms and stuff like that. It's like, what an alien world. Like what, how did that happen? And, and really secondly, why doesn't it happen anymore? You know? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there, there is an element to the minor threat in the Ian McKay story, just uh, to touch on a few things that we've been talking about, that reminds me of like Edward Norton in Fight Club, <laughs> where he like mm-hmm. doesn't realize that he is the one who started Fight Club. Yes. And the rest of the bands, like everywhere they go, like the kids who show up their shows are like nodding, like winking and nodding at them, being like, of course, Ian, we're not going to beat you up today. And then like the show starts and everybody gets beat up and he's like, why, why are you doing this? And, and realizing that his alternate version is the one who is instructing these kids to start straight edge fight clubs. Everywhere. That is, that is so true. <laughs> maybe, maybe punk and to a, uh, even bigger extent, rock and roll died because all of the gangs went away. Yeah, like all, rock and roll gangs. All the rock and roll gangs are gone. It's not yeah. any more fun to go to shows because you know you don't have to wear the right clothes or get beat up because you don't <laughs> like tool enough. <laughs> <laughs> no, we need we need to bring a little more uh, social tension back into yeah. the scene. Everything's gotten a little too nice. Yeah, I uh, miss I miss like like rock music and and like I came up in a time. Where like there weren't, I went to one concert in 1995. It was my first concert I ever went to. And it was Corn, Megadeth and Fear Factory. And there were skinheads there. And mm-hmm. I was so shocked to see skinheads that I had mm-hmm. never seen anything like it. And it was this really weird thing where they were sectioned off their own little area <laughs> to mosh where you could skinhead mosh. Did they have like, oh did God. they have like a, like caution tape around them or something? They just had like a circle around them and they moshed their weird, like my, because the minor threat moshing is much different than what would become heavy metal moshing. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. heavy metal moshing is more, uh, uh, I, I dare I say kind like uh, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. you shoulder and elbow. You don't windmill you pick people punch. Up. You pick people up <laughs> yeah. when they hit the floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and punk. From what I can tell, and when you read about this, or if you look at like old footage of Minor Threat concerts, like they were really. You know, it's funny because there's like 23 people at the concert, and they're all just throwing punches at each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's indistinguishable from just like a, how you, how do you tell what a regular fight is from uh, just enjoying the music? It's pretty <laughs> yeah, much Ian, the same thing. Ian McKay screaming like "Stop fighting!" and it's like, what's the difference between what we're doing? Yeah, or like and, when you hear that it would be like, "There's a riot, a riot broke out after the show." It's like after the show. After the show, <laughs> if you in a few places he talks about how it looks like. Uh, he it, it, he felt like he was in like an old western movie or something where it was like bar brawl style, just people like being thrown out of like doors and down stairwells and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I Bre- mean, breaking I, beers over each other's heads. No, I mean, not breaking beers. They're not allowed. A <laughs> <The> thing that <laughs> right. I, a thing so that I, was- I think I really dig about them though is there was no separation between the band and the audience, which I respect and it's something yeah, yeah. that I've always tried to bring to what we do too especially live where where we'll let motherfuckers stand up and ask questions or chant or yell you know what i mean during the show Mm -hmm. and like uh that is such a cool thing and and that 
that being like an anti, I think that carried on after discord. And I, and I really think that like the, the discord bands were the ones who kind of pioneered that, Hey, you know, the band is like cool, but they're not like, they're, they're not on a different level from you. You know, the stage mm-hmm. is on the floor and, and you're yeah. just kind of dealing you're, 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 I'm part of it. I'm, I'm in the pit. And I think that is such a cool thing because rock music really was like this thing of legends before minor threat. And then people had to, you know, I think Ian pressured everybody to, uh, like cool out a little bit with the, with the rock God thing. Yep. Well, I also know that that became like tension within the band, which we'll get to like nowish. Yeah, now it's pretty much like uh, you know they (laughs) the 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 death knell for uh, Minor Threat wasn't you know I think they were all getting a little tired of the scene and how it turned into this sort of territorial uh, infighting uh, thing. But everyone in the band except for Ian started getting really into U two. Uh, uh, as Azarad wrote, U2's sound was uh, starting to creep into their music, but McKay simply didn't have the ability to sing songs that were so melodic. Said uh, McKay, I couldn't sing to it. I hated it. And we just argued and argued about style. They're like, we have to evolve. And I'm like, we are evolving. Uh, so they are having this, I, I kind of didn't realize this was their end. Uh, that it was just them being like, you two rocks. And Ian being like, I, I, dis- can't, sing I, like I can't sing like Bono. Uh, who who can? And then they broke up via kind of in the the Sex in the City a post it note way. Like they, it, it seems like one of them left a note for Ian McKay that was just like we're done. And he had a conver- he had like a discussion, and they're like, okay, here are our demands. We want to get a manager, which I didn't realize that they didn't have a manager, which is extremely funny that they were totally like self operational. We want a manager. We want to consider trying to get on a major label and we want a two tiered stage because we are tired of getting shoved, elbowed, uh, bumped into, uh, punched by these people who are bum rushing the stage. We want our own stage and Ian, you can have a second tier down with the people. And Ian heard all of the demands and was like, okay, (laughs) we should break up. (laughs) Ian McKay, innocent. It is (laughs) so fucking funny to me that the guys from Minor Threat were like, were like, we need to be more like you two. Yeah. It's amazing. That's why amazing. I, Ian's innocent here, I, I think. Yeah. He, Ian is right. Nobody wants Minor Threat to turn into you two. That no, is it, terrible. It's it's much funnier with like the intervening 30 years, just knowing what you two would become. Like it, it, it makes more sense if it's like 1982 and I Will Follow just came out or something like that, and you two is like still considered a punk act and has like yeah. punk bona fides and isn't like the exemplar of a dinosaur arena rock band. But just thinking of what like what minor threat it, it like listening to Out of Step and then also listening to like 2020 era U2 and being like, yes, these things could potentially be the same in a different universe is a hilarious sound uh, image to me. U2 yeah. breaking up minor threat is, is such a like, it's such a storybook ending that that is the kind of thing. That's why you would, I would want to see the biopic, the rock biopic about minor threat. That, yeah. that is so funny. Yes. Honestly, as as I'm reading through this book again, all of these bands I think would make for amazing biopics in their own way. Like each of them just have a like even though the trajectories are ultimately kind of similar, like just the individual stories are so interesting to me. I, 
I maybe like a mini. You could do like an R band. It could be your a BBC like mini series, like a thirteen episode mini series. But I don't mm-hmm. know if you could capture all like one one hour each band. Yeah, that's tough. I don't know. I think it would have to be like a three season TV show. Yeah, yeah. It, sure. it would be that. It's a really good idea too because the way the book's written, separating out all the bands and then having the kind of uh, uh, overlap where they show up in each other's episodes and stuff. And yeah, it's mm-hmm. just. These bands are far to me. I maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you disagree. Far more interesting than like Elton John. Like <laughs> sure, right, right, right. Yeah, agreed. I would, I, and I would say like Elton John is a very interesting guy. But there is just something about because it's it's not just like a single guy. It's all uh, interpersonal. It's also building a scene. It's running a business. It's starting. It's because they all start labels and they have to do that. And it's each one of them has like, and it's also navigating a very specific time in society when you could be this outcast, but also like, like generally outcast, but also like specifically thriving. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's a shame. It it really is a shame that like th- there's two things that I think TV has fucked up on. One of them is not kind of capturing this doing some kind of dramatized or fictionalized version of the of the uh punk scene or mm-hmm. any of the punk scenes because i think they're much more interesting than like 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 i said like these classic rock bands that just have ink spilled like it's just constantly book after book after tv show after documentary mm-hmm. about the same 15 bands it's like i would love i would love to see like somebody do something about this that somebody that's not Dennis Leary because he did yeah. make that one TV show and right. and even when they try to do it it's something like like Martin Scorsese tried to make a punk like a quote unquote punk series mm-hmm. and it was vinyl and it's just like look I love you Marty but the interesting thing about the the punk scene was not the major label guys trying to make it commercial you know <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 I mean Ian McKay is maybe one he's like a folk hero now he's one of the Mm -hmm. most fascinating people he's one of the most fascinating people i think in all of rock music and it would be great to to see his story and i also find minor threat story to be like really inspirational to to me or to anybody that's trying to do a thing that Mm -hmm. maybe is highly specific that's not going for like mainstream that that operates in a niche place and that does something different and and mm-hmm. uh edgy and and cool like it's such an inspiring thing that he exists yeah. and that he's it, still around yeah, yeah. And it's true and we've been i mean obviously we've been clowning a little bit on on some of the the goofier parts of minor threat but it's of course like to do something that would enter the halls of mu- popular music legend by the time you were 21 mm-hmm. is simply outstanding and that's what all the minor threat boys did yeah Yeah. do you think do you think which this doesn't mean anything but do you guys think that like they ever get recognized by like the rock and roll hall of fame type people that's a great question see i feel like rock and roll hall of fame would go with fugazi to like give mckay his due and Mm -hmm. like fugazi is like a bit more of the critically like serious band and they've been ongoing forever and they have a deeper catalog i mean maybe mckay would get in just on his own, but I don't know. I mean, it, it's hard for me. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is like one of those things that it's like I obviously think it's a joke and I don't care, but then I'm also like, but oh, there should be a Hall of Fame for these guys, and they should vote on them, and they should let them in. They should hang up their jerseys in the rafters. Right, 
Right. Especially because it's like a non-contemporaneous thing. Like, you know, it's like, why not? Just throw them in there. They're yeah, good. Throw them in there. Yeah. There shouldn't be a limit on the number of people in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Just whoever deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. The list it's- this year is definitely not not an SST Discord type of uh, list. Rage Against the Machine are up for it this year. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of it. I think there was another band that I actually like that's up for it this year, like a smaller band. Uh, fuck. And now I'm forgetting who the bands are, but I, I did hear that there was a band that I really dig that that is up there. But like it has ignored certain subsets of music. I, I mean, hip hop being one, I, they do right. have some hip hop groups in there, but not any kind of like a, a, not any big amount. But I yeah. feel like punk has just been. It just sucks, you know. Yeah. If anybody should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Ian McKay and the Misfits. I I think both mm-hmm. are bands that are just like, come on. Like, you put the Foo Fighters in there. <laughs> they are. The Foo in- Fighters are, are such a funny, like, background band to the show. I'm just thinking about when Wilco, uh, when Jeff Treaty wrote, wrote like, uh, another year losing losing a, a Grammy to Foo Fighters. <laughs> what category? Doesn't matter. Every year I get nominated for a, a Grammy in a different category, and every year something something from the Foo Fighters. He said it. he said in order to win uh, a Grammy for best rock album, he would have to uh, kill Dave Grohl and eat his heart. <laughs> <laughs> Which honestly, <laughs> why not? Yeah, it, it is. It. I mean, I'm not trying to take anything away. I mean, I guess the Foo Fighters have sold a zillion records. Sure, they've got you a know. lot of good songs, and oh. you know what? Dave Grohl seems like a really good good guy. Yeah, he and he does stuff for he does stuff for like like Probot and and Queens of the Stone Age where you're like, okay, mm-hmm. like he's yeah. trying to do some some cool shit. It just is like Nirvana, uh the Foo Fighters, we're all like their influences are not included in the the sort of classic rock rock and roll Hall of Fame canon. Like these bands from our band could be your life are I think so important and it sucks that like they're just like a thing that's off to the side that like a guy like me has to discover you know I have to search for it and find it I still do this isn't something that is like mainstream you can't you still can't go to Hot Topic and buy a Minor Threat t-shirt actually you might be able to I don't know (laughs) there's actually hilariously on Minor Threat's Wikipedia page a whole list of um a copyright controversies, which is the only band of, of from this book that I think has this on their uh, uh, page, because places like Urban Outfitters would just keep printing Minor Threat shirts, and eventually that that even though they were opposed to doing this, McKay just had to like hire a company to handle licensing of Minor Threat merch because it wasn't worth his time to constantly be like harassing the legal department from Forever Twenty One <laughs> to like take down their shirts. I found I found the band I was talking about that's up. For the rock hall that I think mm. is really cool, that is in kind of this tradition is the New York Dolls. Now I don't think they're going to get yeah, in there. I don't think they're going to get in there probably, but they deserve to yeah. be in there. Yeah. yeah, they're one of the definitely one of the most important bands that that nobody talks about. Yeah, it, uh, it's the same. That that is the thing though. Like, I think if you went around and asked the people that are involved in voting, they would definitely want Ian McKay involved in this thing i guess we just need a punk hall of fame maybe do it turn turn the dip build it around the discord house (laughs) yes actually actually yes either la 
or Washington, the suburbs of Washington, D.C. should yeah, have a yeah. punk hall of fame and it should be a big, gaudy, ugly glass building built around <laughs> the Discord house. Like you walk in the Discord doors. <laughs> Uh, well, let's listen to one last minor threat song and then move to the end part of this episode. Unless you have anything more, Molly. That's your, all. That's bio. all I got. That's all. We'll, I got. Well, we'll meet Ian again because Fugazi is a later chapter in this book. Yeah. Uh, so we'll, we'll catch up with his adventures in the later half of the '80s. But let's fe- end with their. They're they're one of the only bands that has like an official final song. You know that yeah. not just like a final album, not just a final show, but they were like, "Here is our song that is our the end song," and it is "Salad Days," which is also hilariously their like U two song. Uh, <laughs> so here, here's "Salad Days." So you too. second bell before I started talking again. <laughs> uh, although this bell stuff, the song is positively prog compared to the rest of their, yeah. uh, their discography, but it's also very good, and it is so sweet to just be like... Because again, it's it it's like, it's part of the joke that they are like making this big like send-off as if, as if this is the closing the chapter of a 30-year career to doing this like thing of being like, Hey man, remember remember two two years ago when things were good, and, uh, with the same epic import as remember two decades ago. Yeah, that is actually like it, it is funny to have a last song. Like, uh, uh, we, yeah, this is our last song. Like, more bands should do that. Yeah, I think I would love to see like, you know, if Rush was like, we gotta wrap this fucking thing up before before the uh, before Neil Peart died. <laughs> Uh, uh, where they're like, we gotta wrap this thing up. Like, what do we do to sum up the Rush experience? Just do one. They brought us back for one last song. Also, (laughs) picturing the uh, disapproving look by Ian at Mm -hmm. every time they hit the bell. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) She's like, oh fuck, man. (sighs) Oh, 
<laughs> at least I'm not going to have to play this live a bunch. Yeah. And, and to bring a bell on tour. I do want to be fair because I was being kind of a dick about you too. Uh, I understand that there was a time where they were cool, but sure. that seems so foreign to me. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I mean, you two, have we ever really done a whole U2 segment? I mean, the only no. problem with U2 is their own ambitions and that they're, they are so good at achieving and exceeding their own ambitions. And then they have to keep, oh, if we talked about them with, uh, with Turn Off the Dark. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, I forgot. The, the only problem with U2 is that they're too good and they can keep on beating the, their benchmarks that they set to themselves. And by doing that, they just rocketed themselves into a completely ridiculous uh, space. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I have one last question uh, specifically for you, Brian, is that you were a new metal guy. And I think that it would be fair to say that the stuff that they, that minor threat started and would become hardcore, like in its own way feeds into the, the um, DNA of new metal. When you were a kid, when you were that age, if it had been the hardcore scene, do you think you would have ended up being a, a hardcore kid? Like, is that the same energy for the same type of, of guy that would become like a new metal guy in the late nineties would be a, like a hardcore uh, boy in like the early 80s I do think that like honestly if I didn't grow up in Groveport Ohio I probably would have been a hardcore kid over a, a new metal kid but like a yeah. lot of the stuff that people enjoy about hardcore um, was a lot of the stuff that I enjoyed about new metal it sounds uh, very stupid to say this, but there was a time where Corn was an underground band. There was a time yeah. where Limp Biscuit was like an underground band. And uh, uh, that is what attracted me to that music. It was nobody in my school knows about Corn yet. I know about Corn. I have this, you know, this, this thing. And uh, it was really just a function of kind of where I grew up. Uh, uh, as I said, mm-hmm. I never met a punk in high school. Like, even, like, the drama kids uh, <laughs> that you would think would have been very hip and, and well, not hip, but, you know, caught up on kind of what's cool. They were into yeah. new metal and metal. So, yeah. like, yeah, I think I probably, I mean, I've met, I've met you and, like, uh, we've talked and, like, I think anybody would probably agree that had I had exposure to hardcore, that's probably the direction I would have gone. I don't think I would have even gotten to Limp Biscuit or Corn. Mm-hmm. I think Limp Biscuit, Corn, and all that stuff was a a stand-in for, you know, not having access to yeah. this kind of underground culture at a time because you just uh, I bring this up a lot on a POD cast, but it's like you know, somebody will be like, have you ever heard the band Nothing Face? And I'm like, no, because I had to spend $18 to listen to yeah. a CD. And yeah. I'm not going to yeah, spend yeah. that $18 on Nothing Face. And that's the same thing with <laughs> Minor Threat. It's like, I would have had to pay for the album. And uh, nobody yeah. ever recommended it to me. And um, and I wouldn't have paid for something like this. Because I, I don't think I understood I, I don't think I understood it, but the the that's a long way of saying that like I think I probably would have been a hardcore kid had I been exposed to to hardcore because it's just smarter. You know, I'm I'm mm. not like a I'm not like the uh I maybe was at the time, but I don't think I'm the stereotype of a new metal guy. 
you know, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> like I, I carry myself like that and, and all of that because of, you know, where I'm from and who I am. But like, uh, uh, I, I think I'm more probably mentally and, and to people who know me, I probably am closer to what a hardcore kid would have been. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. I just think that those types are, you know, kind of eternal and they, and they, it rhymes in some way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I obviously like. Uh, I said this earlier, but all the hardcore bands turned into metal bands once they learned yeah. how to play their instruments. That's like <laughs> a, a, a famous through line through that kind of music was like these guys were were trying to be metal bands at a certain point. I don't think Ian was. And that's what I think is fascinating about Minor Threat. It's like I don't mm-hmm. think Ian was trying to be anything except for what he was. And uh, so I think... I. Th- I think that, like, yes, there is such a through line to, like, people that listen to metal are people who probably just didn't have access to, like, underground hardcore. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's fair. I think that's a good good assessment. Yeah. Well, with that, let's maybe uh, close the book on Minor Threat and, for this moment, uh, Ian McKay, and move confidently to the end part of this episode. Brian... Thank you so much for coming on. Thank Love talking you. to you. Uh, one of our favorite people to talk about music. Uh, do you want to plug anything? What of your various, uh, of course, always straight street fight, but what of your various projects is um, is is coming up most imminently? And I guess this will be coming out in like I don't know, four weeks. Here's two things. Okay, first of all, I think Chris, you're going to be on the POD cast to talk about the Spawn soundtrack. Possibly. Yes, you pitched that to me, and I uh, <laughs> had no idea what was on the Spawn soundtrack. I assumed it was a bunch of like corn made like nope. written for the uh written for the movie things and i scrolled through it and it appears to be like the um oh god matt loves to talk about this uh judgment movie night. a lot judgment night soundtrack oh, yeah, where they yeah, got yeah. a bunch of like rock bands to play with a bunch of rap artists for like one-off songs and honestly every combo is like sounds pretty good to me i haven't actually listened to it yet but i'm excited for that it's rock and techno yeah it's new metal yes and techno yes techno new metal and techno is. yes yeah yeah it's yeah great. oh um, hell yeah so the POD cast is is my music podcast, but like right now, uh, and if this comes out in four weeks, it might have moved on. But on the Street Fight Patreon, we do mini series, and they're all about different things. And currently, we're working, we're doing one that is about motivational speakers and self help gurus. Hell yes, great. Um, we just covered Tony Robbins, and uh, um, we're going to then the next thing I plan to do is uh uh and let me know if you're interested in coming on but it's kind of a scary one uh i am doing a mini series about uh cable tv late night cable tv porno like real sex and the red shoe diaries and oh Manuel. chris <laughs> stuff chris, like you, can, that. you can get into that <laughs> i i've i've told talk to molly a lot about having like trying to not to, to blow observe. up your spot but to blow up your spot i mean it's any any like 14 year old with access to hbo would and sees something on the tv guy called real sex is gonna look at it yeah. and hoping to get t- titillated and then watching it and being like wait this is just like fat 45 year olds riding each other around like horsies this isn't sexy at all <laughs> yeah, yeah baby very but then watching every moment of it thinking like maybe there'll be a titty it's maybe very regular titty <laughs> it's very regular people or people that like to get like 
put in latex and like yeah. uh, uh, vacuumed to the floor and stuff. <laughs> but, but yeah, we, we just do several different kinds of mini series. You can go back through our Patreon and listen to Shocktober, which is a show about shock jocks. I got a show about Chris was on a show about Kid Rock that I did a series on. Uh, Gave me a newfound appreciation of Kid Rock. Kid Rock. I did. We've done uh, uh, Holy Boys with Tom Sexton from the Trillbillies. Tril me and Tom talk about uh, mega church pastors and like I'm really proud of like that's kind of my baby in the in the street fight world like I'm responsible for that section of the world solely and uh, uh, people really like our mini series so that's that's what I'll plug they're awesome. all good they're all great ideas for it I'm excited to talk the spawn soundtrack <laughs> uh, Molly I assume you have nothing specific coming up but things, things in the works things in the works Stay uh, watch tuned. the space. Watch the space. Uh, we'll just move to the end part of this. Um, next week, Husker Du. Uh, yeah. Can't oh. wait to talk about them. <laughs> this, this series goes on. I believe I'm publishing the first episode of this series tonight as we record this. So a uh, little temp temporal displacement here. Uh, four weeks ago, look forward to listening to the first album now. Uh, but until then, listen next week for five weeks from now for Husker Du. This is... We Potacano. See you next time on And Introducing.